Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hello everyone. It is so fantastic to be with you again on another fantastic Wednesday. Welcome, it's Renee here. I'm so glad that you've joined me. Hey, welcome to, I've had a few, bit of feedback from some boys this week, again, letting me know, hey, I know this is Girl Next Door, but hey, we're listening too. So hey, welcome to the boys. Love having you along. Um, We've got something to celebrate. I'm really excited and I want to say thank you to you guys because we are just hitting right now 10,000 downloads and I'm really blown away. I, When I started this um, podcast just a couple of months back, maybe two months ago, my heart was just to, I guess, share what I know I haven't had in, you know, recently in my own life, which is trying to find leadership tips for being a girl. And so anyway, I didn't have any particular, you know, goals with it. I just was blessed that anyone would listen. So the fact we've hit 10,000 so quick, I'm really pumped. So in order to celebrate, I'm going to do a giveaway. So we've got something specially designed for a giveaway. So go and check out my Instagram and I'm hoping that that will be posted this week. Um, And there'll be a few instructions on there. So make sure you go follow along. Um, I'm really excited about today. We finished our Girl Boss collection and that was really fun and I'm definitely going to do another collection soon. Um, But what I wanted to start off with today was firstly to answer a question that was sent in last week just after I actually recorded and so I promised this person I would answer it and I think it's a really great one. But she asked do or should we pray for our future husbands? Is that bad or good? And I want to answer that with a big resounding, absolutely, you should pray for your future partner. If you're a boy, pray for that girl. If you're a girl, pray for the girl, pray for your husband. Um, But you know, I'm a firm believer that we should pray about everything anyway. I read a series by a lady called Stormy O'Martian about, oh, oh my gosh, I reckon I read her books maybe maybe like 15 years ago maybe even longer and she's got a whole heap of you know uh, the power of a praying parent the power of a praying wife um there's even ones for kids there's a whole series and i was so i never forgot what she wrote and she talked about how we should leave nothing just to chance we should leave nothing um no stone unturned when it comes to the things in our life and that we should pray about absolutely everything. So, you know, when it comes to one of the most important decisions that you are ever going to make in your life, which is your life partner, a hundred percent, we should be preparing ourselves and praying into that. Um, And there's a few reasons why. Um, Well, firstly, it's aligning our heart. When we pray, it actually aligns our heart with the will of God. When we pray, we become more in tune with God. We become softer to his will. And, you know, if we're off doing our own thing, well, why would we care about what God thinks? Why would we even include him in the decision of who we should marry? But if we're prayerful about it, then 
our heart becomes so soft to God that we just want what he wants for our life. It's, you know, when we pray about our future partner, it's actually surrendering that area of our life to him for his power to work in that area. And that's what we should be doing in every area, you know, surrendering our career to him, surrendering our friendships to him. And of course, surrendering this huge area of our life partner. Um, Did I pray? Yes, I actually didn't pray as a younger person for my future husband. I always just knew I would get married. I always, um, I always just, I, I, I used to think about, I always wanted to get married and have a family. I wanted to have six kids. That was my aim. I stopped at three and I just knew I'd get married. It wasn't until I was about 19 or 20 that I actually started specifically praying. And I made a list of what I wanted And you know, to this day, I cannot remember what's on the list and I wish I had kept it um, because it would be so fun to look back on and see uh, what it was that I wrote. But there was one thing I do absolutely remember. The number one thing that I wanted was a man of God, a guy who loved God as much, if not more than me, that when we came together, that we would propel one another forward in our call towards God. To be honest, Cameron was a really pleasant surprise to me. He was so much more and so much better than what I had imagined for myself. And so that was, yeah, I just remember being a bit in awe, like, oh my gosh, God, you have just blessed me with such an amazing person. So yes, I think you should pray for your future partner. I pray for my kids' future partners, and I'm really specific um, in those prayers Um, about that because I understand that the person that you choose can either propel you towards or distract you away from the call of God on your life and I have seen too many girls compromise in the person that they've chosen and it always saddens me and so I've been very specific with my kids that you know what God's got someone beautiful and amazing and special set apart for you and so I pray that that person um, fits in with our family I pray that wherever they are right now that they've got a good relationship with God that God's protecting them Um, I pray that they would fit in with us as a family did I just say that before I probably did but there's all sorts of stuff that I that I pray so there you go that's the answer to that question All right, make sure you send me in any others. I love hearing from you. And if I don't know the answer, I'll research it. Um, I wanted to talk today about, and I did tell you this last week, a topic that I am quite, I was listening to a podcast myself this week and I was quite blown away by some information that I came across and it was such a light bulb moment for me that I thought, you know what, I absolutely want to share it with you guys. And I started talking about this a little bit last week when I was talking about the habits, the uncommon habits of a girl boss. And one of them, I was saying that she um, takes responsibility and rises to the challenge of becoming an adult. And that is what I want to talk about a little bit more today, because something that I've noticed is that the word adulting and that whole phrase, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so afraid to adult. I don't like this whole adulting business. We didn't talk like that years ago. It was literally like, of course, you're going to become an adult. You know, you learn to drive and you go to uni and you get a job and you get married. And were we afraid at times? Yes, we were. But it's become um, this generation of young people who actually 
coin the term adulting like it's this verb and it's this difficult thing to do. And I want to say right from the get-go that one of the major things that distinguishes just an ordinary girl from a total girl boss is her willingness to rise to the challenge, to take full responsibility for her life and step out and step up into becoming an adult. And um, this podcast that I was listening to this week, this uh, Dennis Prager is his name. I absolutely love him. He does these fireside chats. They're so full of wisdom. And he asked this question, well, when do you think someone becomes an adult? And I started to think about it and I was like, well, I don't know. I started to think about brain development and um, then I asked a few other people, what do you think? And inevitably, most people, when you ask this question, well, let me ask it of you. When do you think that someone becomes an adult? What is it about someone's life where you could say, oh, yeah, they're an adult now? And most people would cite an age or when they're 18 or when they're 21. Um, And so this Dennis Prager actually said it has nothing to do with age. And this is what blew my mind. He said, you don't become an adult when you reach a certain age. You become an adult only when you decide to become an adult. I was driving when I heard this and I literally, I think I even made the noise like, oh my gosh, mind blowing. Yes, because I know people well into their 20s. I know people in their 40s. I know people in their 60s that I would say are really childlike or really immature. And then on the other hand, I know people that are 17, 18, a particular friend of George's who I love, absolutely adore. She is so mature. She's like been an adult since she was like 12, I reckon. (laughs) Just so super mature. And it was just mind blowing to me that becoming an adult is actually a decision. And there are so many immature people at any given age. And you know, that are still doing or still behaving like they did back in high school. And I thought, you know what? That is so true. But we do have a generation that are increasingly finding it difficult to become an adult for a number of reasons. And one of them is, I don't think it's completely their fault. I actually think that they, we, we, I'll say we, Um, because, you know, I'm a parent as well, but we have not parented intentionally. So what's happened is adolescence has become prolonged. Children are children for a lot longer. They're adolescents for a lot longer. They're not stepping into deciding to becoming an adult until a little bit, you know, kind of later and later in life. And so one of the reasons is we've kept you guys so safe for so long, We've made you guys afraid. You are, and I've done research on this. I've read quite a few books on this where this generation are very risk adverse. So on the one hand, we're saying, guys, there's a call of God on your life. Go do anything. Go be anything. And then on the other hand, we're strapping you in to a booster seat or a car seat until you're seven, for goodness sakes. We're taking the monkey bars away from school in case you fall off and break your arm. We're telling you not to climb trees. We're telling you not to run around and play 
I don't know, I can't remember what game it was in my primary school a couple of years ago that was banned. And so we're saying on the one hand, be a risk taker, go do anything, go rise to the challenge. And on the other hand, we're helicopter parenting you guys and have made you afraid of everything. So I know a lot of my friends' daughters or children who are too scared to get in a car and go and get their L's and go and drive. And I don't blame you because you guys see the news. You've got like your phones are right there. You at any moment can read the news and see all of the horrendous car accidents and what can happen if you step into a car. And so people are becoming afraid. I remember when Georgia went to start learning to, um, before she started learning to drive, her school in year 11 took her to a hospital and they called it the party program, but it was not a party. I can't remember what it stands for now, but basically they were trying to show young people the risk that they take every time they get into a car. And this program, this hospital, actually um, they role played and pretended that someone had just come in from a car accident and the kids actually thought that it was real. Person came in full of blood. They're like, oh my gosh, sorry guys, you got to move out of the way. We've got to attend to this person. Now, obviously it was all set up um, and then the kids eventually found out. But then after that, they also got a few people in. One lady had just lost her arm from a car accident. She came and spoke to the kids. And then there was another girl who had um, had a bad head injury and she had lost like her short-term memory and she came and talked to everyone but literally couldn't remember every kind of 30 seconds what she had said. Georgia came home petrified. <laughs> she came home going, oh my gosh, why would I want to get into a car if this can happen? Now, I understand why we're teaching our young people that because, you know, when I was younger, it was the complete opposite. We didn't understand all the things that could happen. And I guess young people were taking stupid risks and bad things were happening. So in our aim to try and protect you, we've actually made you guys more afraid. And so that's where this whole, oh my gosh, I'm too afraid to adult comes from. And I want to encourage all of you listening. You know what? You've got to do it afraid. And one of the best things that you can do is to take responsibility for your life. Now, let me pose a question, the question that every person should ask if they want to become an adult. And if you weigh up every single decision by this question, it will help you make incredibly good decisions for your life. So this is, again, from Dennis Prager, can't take credit. Uh, and he says, this is the most important adult question. And the question is this, what is the price? What is the price? So the only time we ask that is when we go to buy something because we want to know the value of something. Well, how much is that car going to cost? How much is that computer going to cost? How much is that, you know, whatever it is you're going to go and buy, how much are those clothes going to cost? But we need to start asking this question about everything that we do in our life. And if you practice this, you will actually grow up really a lot quicker and make far better decisions for yourself. So let me give you some examples. There is a price to getting married and there's a price to not getting married. There's a price to having kids. There's a price to not having kids. There's a price to go to uni. There's a price if you don't go to uni. And so we need to weigh everything up by that to work out, is this worth it? So for example, Georgia right now is doing four years of university. And right at the start, 
we weighed up, you know, she was like, well, mum, maybe I won't go to college. Maybe I'll go and, and, and work instead. So we weighed it up. What's the price of going to uni? Okay, for four years, it's going to cost you whatever, 24, 25 grand to go to uni. That's one of the actual prices. What other price is it going to cost you? It's going to cost you four years of your life where you're not going to earn a full-time income. So she understood that. What else? It's going to cost you your time where you're going to have to be focusing on doing assignments and doing exams. That's going to cost you four years of your life. But what is the value that you get out of that? You come out, you're going to come out with this degree that's going to put you in the position to have incredible jobs for the rest of your life. And so she's like, well, that's worth the price. Another one might be, you know, dating. So we looked at, well, what would be the price if you dated in high school? Well, the price would be you're focusing on a guy and you're not focusing on your study. The price would be that perhaps you might get a broken heart. The price would be that you're investing in a relationship with a guy instead of a relationship with your girlfriends. The price would be that, you know, perhaps you might end up you know, making a mistake, sleeping together, doing something that you don't mean. And so we looked at all of all of those prices of dating in high school and we made the decision as parents, we don't think that that's worth it. And that's why we made that decision. No, you are not going to be dating in high school because we don't think that it's worth it. You know, we should be weighing up everything like that. Even things like, you know, I want to play PS4 every night. Well, fine, you can play PS4 every night if you want for four hours, five hours, six hours. What's the price? Well, the price is... A, you might get a little bit tired if you're doing that every night. B, you're wasting a lot of time uh, that you could be spent developing yourself in other areas. Now, I'm not saying don't have fun, right? If you're willing to go, you know what? For me, I need those two hours, one hour, two hours, three hours, and I really need to chill out because I've been really busy all day. Okay, fair enough. But you've got to take responsibility for that and go, what is the price if I do this? And I think that is an absolutely incredible, incredible question to ask about everything that you do. So you actually have to have, we have to have a commitment. Well, you have to have a commitment. Well, me too. I need to be an adult. (laughs) We have to have a commitment to growing up in order to grow up. We actually need to be intentional about becoming an adult. So I thought I'd give you maybe just a few things, a few tips um, on other ways that you can work on making sure that you become an adult because like I said people can be in their 50s their 40s however old I've got someone in my family who I would say has had um, I would say very stunted emotional growth and very much acts like a child a lot of the time Um, you know oh gosh this is a big one sometimes as children we end up parenting our parents when they're like that And I know I've been in the situation before where I have had to parent my parent. And guys, that is not our responsibility. And right now, I don't know who I'm speaking to out there, but you are in a situation where because of the emotional immaturity of one of your parents, that you're in a position where you're having to parent your parent. And it's a very difficult position to be in because we feel so responsible for them. But I just want to let you know that although it's good to be kind and it's good to love our parents and we need to honor our parents and we talked about that last week that it is not your responsibility to actually parent your parent and it is unfair of your mum or your dad 
to put that responsibility upon you. And someone just needed to hear that right now and that you just need to be completely released of that burden. All right, so here's a couple of things that we need to do if we want to become adults. One is no more tantrums. Have you ever seen an adult have a tanty, an emotional tanty? I have. Do you know the most downloaded podcast out of this whole series is the one that Georgia and I did about how you cannot be moody and effective. And, um, you know, if you marry a moody person or you're, you get married and you're moody, you, you become very difficult to live with. And adults who manipulate or are moody or throw little emotional tantrums, that is not adult behavior. And, you know, when you're a kid, you can react and you can throw a tantrum, right? And you get away with it because people kind of expect it because we understand that it's, you know, part of a kid's growth process and, um, you know, they don't realize that it's not serving them well. Well, I need to do a parenting series because actually the reason a lot of kids grow up into adults who continue to throw tanties is because it did serve them well because their parents weren't strong enough to say, no, you want to throw a tanty in the supermarket? Like, guys, I I cannot tell you how many times I had a trolley full of shopping when my kids were little and usually it was Liam, sorry, Liam. And he would be sitting in the front, you know, sitting in the little trolley thing, and he threw the worst tanties. I am definitely going to do a parenting series on this. He threw the worst tantrums. I knew that if I did not get that under control, I would have a teenager that threw tanties, and then one day he'd get married and he'd be an adult throwing adult tanties. I used to bring that trolley over to the desk where they sold the cigarettes, and I'd say, excuse me, my son needs to go to the toilet, and would you mind if I just left my trolley here? And I'd grab my bag and I'd take him out crying and screaming. And we did go to the toilet, but it was not uh, to go to the toilet. You can imagine what I, you know, got a little paddywhack on the backside. And I said to him, we're going to go back in there and you are going to stop having your tantrum and you are going to sit in that trolley and you are going to do what I've asked you to do. And if you don't, I will take you out again and I will bring you back down here into the toilets again. So what I'm saying is we need to teach our kids to stop having tantrums. We need to teach them what to do when they have tantrums because we've got a lot of adults. And we, if we want to grow up, we've got to pull our emotions into control. We need to pause and we need to choose differently. We've actually got a moral obligation to do this for the people around us. And, you know, one day you're going to be living with a husband or a wife and then you're going to have kids. And we've got a responsibility to control ourselves. Okay, number two, we have to take full responsibility for ourselves. You know, things will happen in our life that we've got no control over. That's just inevitable. But what we need to do is rather than play the victim for the rest of our life, we have to accept those things and we have to own it and we have to choose to either allow those things to shape us for the better or we will be victim to those things the rest of our lives. So for example, you know, my parents divorced when I was younger and my dad left when I was three and my mom had quite a few nervous breakdowns and she, um, I remember she had to go to hospital a few times and um, she was very uh, emotionally unstable. And so that kind of was my childhood. Then I was put on a plane every couple of weeks to go fly up to see my dad and 
you know, I've read up a lot. I've, I've read some amazing books on, um, you know, what happens to kids from divorced homes. And oh, that is definitely a series I'd love to do, actually. And, you know, I had to come to an age, though, where I couldn't just blame that the rest of my life. I couldn't just say, well, you know, I've got a string of broken relationships because I've got father issues or whatever it is. I You get to an age where no matter what has happened to you, you've got to own it. You've got to accept it. You need to do what you need to do to move through it and to allow that thing to make you a better person rather than someone that remains the victim. Another thing that we need to do is to stop lying. Stop lying to other people and stop lying to ourselves. Guys, you have no idea how many people lie on a consistent basis. In fact, like just take a bit of an inventory of yourself for a moment. Do you know so many people often lie so easily that they've almost kind of deceived themselves. They don't even realize themselves that they're lying. But if you keep lying, particularly to yourself, you will always be a stunted child. So I want to ask you this question. What is a truth about yourself that you need to swallow right now. What is it about you? Is there something you need to take responsibility for? Is there something in your life that you know this is a truth and I've been lying to myself or I've been lying to other people and I just need to swallow this truth about myself and I need to stop lying. Um, I remember, and I don't want to say any names, but I remember working with a person a little while ago and they hated getting in trouble and so in order to avoid getting in trouble a lie would really easily slip from their lips but honestly I can tell a lie a mile away and I knew I just knew this person kept telling me little lies but I also understood that it was because they didn't like getting in trouble and so they were trying to avoid it and so I, I remember confronting that person and saying you know what you are lying to me. I called it out. I just called it flat out. You are lying to me, but I understand why. But at that point, when I made that person aware, they had two choices. They could have lied again and then just kept going with that pattern in their life, or they could have gone, you know what? You're right. And I'm, oh my gosh, like I didn't even, I wasn't even aware that's why I was doing it. And I'm going to work on it. And thank God they chose the latter. Uh, what else? So, so no more tanties. Take responsibility. Stop lying. Um, take care of your own stuff. That's another one. Just take care of your own stuff. Um, now I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about physical stuff here, although that, you know me, I'm hot on that one, but I'm talking about just be aware of your own problems and your own issues. Be aware of your own triggers and how they affect other people. You know, the thing about kids is that children make their problems, other people's problems. That's just what they do. You know, you think of two kids that are having a fight. My boys constantly. Mom, mom, Liam was doing this. Mom, Ashley was doing that. They don't take responsibility for their problem. They want it to become everyone's problem and they want everyone to fix it. I've been a teacher for a long time. Oh my gosh, our pet hate is being on duty. And sure enough, you do not just get to walk around and look up at the sky during duty. You are fixing kids' problems the entire time. And that's what kids do. So when we become an adult, if you want to choose to become an adult, you can no longer um, you know, just push your problems off and expect other people to fix your problems. We have to 
take responsibility. Otherwise, do you know what happens when we go into a relationship? What happens is if we act like a child and we don't take responsibility and we go into a relationship with an adult, we end up having a child-adult relationship. Have you ever seen a couple I've seen couples before where it's almost like the the girl is marrying someone who she wants to take the place of her father. It's like she's still this child, this little girl, and her husband becomes almost this father figure where she wants to be looked after and protected. And so you end up having a child-adult relationship. What's even worse is if you don't grow up and then you marry someone else who also chooses not to grow up and not to take responsibility and to have adult tanties and to lie and not to take care of their stuff. And then you've got a child-child relationship, which is where you get a lot of marriages that are breaking down. And the last one I'm going to say is this. This is a bit of an odd one. Call people back. And I'll explain why I'm saying that. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of young people hear the phone ring and they're, or they look at their phone and it's ringing and they look at it like petrified because they do not want to answer this phone. And then they wait for it to ring through and they text back. If someone called you, they want to talk to you on the phone. So what we tend to do, what the younger generation um, are doing is to allow technology to be something that we hide behind. It's like technology and texting and messaging. We hide behind that because we don't want to actually have a proper face-to-face voice-to-voice relationship. And if we want to grow up, I want to encourage us not to allow technology to create gaps in our relationships. So be someone that, you know what, you grab that phone, you call that person back, you deal with your stuff. Oh, here's one. Do not, do not break up with someone via text. Do not ask someone out via text. You know, you've got to move past texting and actually start talking. If you want to break up with someone, have the courage to do it face to face. I saw I I saw such a good Instagram the other week. You know I love Jenny Allen and she put up this post a couple of oh, I don't know maybe 2 weeks ago how covid this whole covid and isolation season is so good if you want to start dating. And I was like, oh, this is the first I've heard anyone talk about this because most people are figuring, oh, well, you can't date during COVID. But her point was, this is such a good opportunity for you to actually develop a relationship through meaningful conversation. Because when she dated her husband, they were actually long distant distance. And so they spent a lot of time on the phone and not not just not texting. I mean, texting is good, but actually talking to one another. And so this is a great season if you are thinking, you know, if there's someone that you're interested in, this is a great season to not just be messaging them or Instagramming, messaging them, whatever it is you're doing. But actually, you know, get in a house party and chat face to face, get on the phone and, and, and chat voice to voice. It's a great opportunity to develop relationship that way and to get to know people. So there you go. Adulting. I am here championing you on. So remember, when do we become an adult? When we decide to become an adult and when we take full responsibility for our life. And the big question that we should all be asking ourselves constantly, but it's the big one if you want to start adulting, is to everything we should ask, what is the price? 
So there you go. I hope I've given you some food for thought today. Make sure you come and pop along. Definitely come along to Instagram this week because you will see a giveaway for 10,000 downloads and thank you again. And also go check out our latest five minutes with Renee and G because I unpack a little bit more in a different way um, to the podcast the other week about self-love and where is it in the Bible? Is it in the Bible? Can it really fix us? And I even draw a diagram to help you. So go along and check that out. Anyway, I love you guys and I'll see you next week. Well, not see, but you know what I mean. Have a good one. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.